Thank you for the opportunity to let me preach to you. I hope you get a blessing today, and uh, we'll try to uh, get through this message in a timely fashion. Um, if you would, please open your Bible uh, to 1 Samuel, uh, chapter number 17, and uh, we'll uh, try to bring you a message today uh, about five smooth stones. Uh, 1 Samuel, chapter number 17, this is a story of David and Goliath. And uh, there's 58 verses in this chapter, so it's evident that I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Um, but I, before I, we're going to start in verse number 38 and read to about uh, uh, 52. Uh, but before I do that, um, just here to get everybody's mind on the same page as to what's gone on prior to uh, this David and Goliath um, scenario and the historical account. In chapter number 16, uh, even before that, Israel has asked uh, God for a king, and God gave Israel King Saul. And uh, so Saul is now Israel's king, and uh, they're going out to battle and fighting the enemy, fighting the Philistines and things of that nature. Uh, and then the prophet Samuel comes around and uh, asks a man by the name of Jesse, says, hey, do you have any children? And uh, this man, Jesse, says, yeah, I got eight. And Samuel says, well, I'm looking to anoint one. And you know the story. And David is the last. He's the youngest. And uh, Samuel winds up anointing David. And uh, the Bible says about David in uh, uh, chapter number uh, 16, uh, as far as David goes, um, that David in chapter number 16 of verse Samuel, verse 18, he's able to play music. 1 Samuel 16, 18, uh, it's, it's said of David that he's a mighty valiant man. Uh, and even at such a, a young age, uh, people knew of David as a man of war. Something that, that always uh, interests me about David that you find here in the progression of David's life is that David uh, was a warrior for God and for the glory of God and for the cause of God. But David led his men out to battle. And David was a man that was able to get other men to fight. And I appreciate that about David. Uh, uh, but uh, he was also uh, in the secret places. Uh, he was a shepherd of the sheep. And uh, so when Saul would have some spiritual problems, uh, people found out about David, that David could play. And they brought David in front of Saul, and David would play music. And the Bible says that King Saul had an evil spirit on him, and then when David would minister to him, that evil spirit would leave. And uh, so just a few things about David, uh, um, and leading up to uh, verse number uh, 38, you find out that Saul leads his men into battle and they're fighting the Philistines. And the Philistines um, uh, are in battle uh, with Israel. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, the Philistines bring out a giant. And, and this, is a, this is a tall guy. We know how big this guy is. I don't know, 10, 12 feet tall. This giant's a giant. Uh, the, the armor that he has on him is extremely uh, heavy. His spear is heavy. He's just a big dude. And... And, and that's, a, that's a giant, the giant that David goes up against. But uh, in so doing, David is not in, that, in the battle uh, that the army of Israel is in. Uh, he's back tending his sheep. I'm sure that he's praying for his brothers. He's got three brothers on the front line with Saul. And 
uh, all of a sudden, uh, David's uh, dad, Jesse, steps up and says, Hey, David, I got an errand for you to run. I want you to take some vittles. I want you to take some cheese. I want you to take some things to the front line to encourage those men. And also, I want to report as to what's going on. And so David does that. And while he's there, and he, can, he, can, uh, he doesn't really hear the noise of battle as much as he thought he would. Uh, because this giant's been standing up for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's been saying to those Israelites, he said, bring me a man that'll fight with me. And nobody would go. And the battle wasn't being ensued, and it was kind of quiet on the front. And so David didn't understand that so much, and so he gets up into the place, into the tent, and into the front line where the uh, where Saul is, and, and Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. If there was someone that should have went out to battle with Goliath, you would have thought that it would have been Saul. Saul's a tall man, and Saul's a brave man, and all this, that, and the other, but Saul um, uh, was subdued by fear and uh, didn't go out to, to uh, fight Goliath. And, uh, but David heard this guy, and what this guy was doing, what this giant was doing, it was he was... Um, condemning the armies of Israel, calling them a whole bunch of chickens. Ain't nobody there to come out and fight with me? What type of God do you have? And uh, they were hemmed in. Uh, they, they weren't willing to, uh, and, they, and they were afraid, they weren't uh, willing to go out and, and contest with this giant that was making fun of uh, the God of Israel and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and making fun of the armies of Israel. And David heard this. And uh, it, it bothered him. He said, well, you got to be kidding me here. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> um, and so David uh, wound up saying, well, I can take him. Trying to bring you up to verse number 38. And you know what, the, you know what happened then? David said, uh, he said, I can take that giant. Ain't no problem. Now, David's just a young stripling. He's a young man. He's not uh, super big in stature, I would say, as compared to uh, Goliath. Uh, but when David heard what was being said about the armies of Israel and about the God of Israel, uh, it got into David's craw, and David said, uh, come hell or high water, I'm going to go out and get that guy. And instantly, you know what happens? The brothers get in his way. The brothers say, there ain't no way, listen pal, you own, you're not here with the right motive. The way you're going to do it isn't going to get it done, and you're going to cause more harm to what we're trying to do there, here than good. And the brothers said, you can't do it, David. David said, I can do it. And so uh, the, um, uh, then they say, all right, you can do it. Let's go check in with King Saul. And King Saul, there is no, there's no, the leader said, there's no way you can do it. There's no way you can take that guy on. You know what David said? I can do it. Saul said, all right, far be it for me to stop you to try to take this guy out. And what does Saul do? Coming up to verse number 38, Saul, uh, Saul says, Okay, David, if that's the case, I'm going to give you my armor. I'm going to give you my helmet. I'm going to give you my spear and all this, that, and the other. Now go out and fight Goliath. And you know, David tried to do that. He tried to put that on. And David started walking just a little bit and said, This just ain't right. i got to do it the way that I've proved in old days uh, where I've gotten victory over a bear and victory over a lion. And so David steps out there. And, uh, and this is where we come in. That's just a little bit of history. Uh, David, in verse number 38, you see that Saul armed 
uh, David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Uh, and he also armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, in verse number 39, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proven them. And David put them uh, off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even a scrip. And the sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that, I, uh, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the host to the Philistines this day, and to the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sunk into the forehead and it fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone. And, and smote the Philistine, and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, and stood upon the Philistine, and took his sword, and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut, his head, uh, cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And, uh, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of uh, Sherim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing uh, the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. You know what that is right there? That's victory. <laughs> um, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and being good to us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to... Uh, Lord, try to be a blessing to you, Lord, and a blessing to your people. I pray that the things spoken here today would uh, encourage us uh, in this Christian fight, Lord, as we uh, are in a fight, uh, Lord, and uh, we are facing giants in our life. May we get some learning and application, uh, Lord, from this time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you say, what I want to preach to you today is talking about the thing that David used in order to take down this giant. Um, but there's so much here in this chapter, just very briefly, let me just hover over this chapter for a second to try to capture your attention, to apply it to ourselves, that we might be able to see the reason why we should have these stones on our person uh, as saved people in a battle. What I learned from this text is, number one, uh, just very briefly, is that God's people are in a spiritual fight. You and I are in a spiritual battle today, and uh, uh, not so much a physical battle with a physical enemy uh, for physical land, but we're in a spiritual fight 
Uh, listen, someone had to fight for you to get saved from an eternal lake of fire. And that doesn't really make so much the difference now, but buddy, once you step out into eternity, you're going to find out just what it really meant for the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God to say, it is finished. And when he fought for you, and we're, uh, Christians are in a spiritual fight today, uh, and uh, I, can, I can prove it right now, I can prove it from yesterday. In that spiritual fight, that spiritual enemy, uh, they can, uh, uh, that enemy can produce a giant, and that giant wants to enslave you. That giant wants to cause you to fear. That giant wants to cause you to curse your God. That giant wants to cause you from, for fighting for right, and fighting for light, and fighting for eternal purposes. He wants to get you to shut your mouth and to curse your God and to not walk after the Lord Jesus Christ. I can prove it. We went to a memorial yesterday. That young man was saved. But he died before he was supposed to die. You know why? Because a giant took him out. Amen. A giant wants to take you out. A giant wants to stop you in your Christian life. You used to be in other places. You used to do other things. Uh, you used to present yourself in a different light as compared to possibly now because there was a giant that stepped up into your life and stopped you just a little bit and caused you to stumble just a little bit. Um, when I, I learned from this, hey, listen, that giant wants to... That, that giant wants to steal your life and steal the blessings of God from you and from your family. Listen, you and I are made to worship God. You and I are made to be in fellowship with this unseen God. How is your fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ today? Is there, is there a giant that's in the way that's casting darkness and, and uh, not allowing the light of the glorious gospel, not allowing the light of God to shine upon you the way that it could, the way that he wants it to? Listen, that giant can be taken down. And that's what we learn here. Uh, I learn also when all of God's army was afraid and dismayed by the giant and hemmed in uh, to the place where they wouldn't go out to battle, God provided a man. God provided a man to defeat the giant. And you know what? That encouraged God's people to engage the enemy and push the enemy back and to fight. God's provided a man. And uh, we thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he fought and won the victory for us to uh, be able to go to heaven when we die. Thank God for that. Uh, but there's, 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 there's got to be a man. You've got to be able to lead in the fight. <laughs> And follow that man's faith so that uh, we can engage the enemy, so that we can push back darkness. I didn't get quotes from the LGBTQ. Uh, I didn't get quotes from the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, I didn't get quotes from all these people that are pressing in on you and making fun of your religion and making fun of your God and all this, that, and the other. I didn't get quotes from the Muslim religion. The fight shouldn't be in these walls. The fight should be outside of these walls. Because these are all the folks that are pressing in on you. These are all your enemies, let alone the world, the flesh, and the devil. But these are all the things that want daily that I deal with, daily that you deal with, that want to stop you and cause you to doubt your God and quit on your God. Sure. They're there. Um, and I, I learned from this text just very briefly that God used the minority to bring victory. 
God used the little and the obscure and the backward to accomplish the miraculous and bring victory and freedom to God's people. That's how God likes to do things. You of all people should understand that because when we broke away from Great Britain, we were minute, we were small, we were backward, we were obscure, and there's no way those patriots should have won the battle in order for you and I not to be speaking British today. There's no way, unless you put God in the equation. That's what I learned from this. But let me ask you something today. Listen, uh, I deal with it too, and I, I'll, try to, I'll try to be just as common as possible. I deal with giants in my life. You deal with giants in your life. You deal with the shadow of the giant and the darkness in your life. And so do I. And, uh, and what I'd like to ask you today is, uh, Christian, uh, what, what are those giants that enslave you? They want to steal from you. Listen, Goliath said, if I win, you're going to be my slave. I shouldn't have to be a slave to no one. I shouldn't have to be a servant to no one but to the Lord Jesus Christ. And constantly I see the world, I see the flesh, I see the devil continually bidding for my attention. And those things, those temptations, they're fair-weathered friends. Um... What, what are some of the giants that you're dealing with that you can get victory over in your life? Uh, the list is, is almost endless. Is it sickness? Is it poverty? Is it the fear of the future? Is it envy, pride, <laughs> gossip? Is, it, is the giant that you're dealing with uh, a love for this world and a lack of love for the one that saved your soul from an eternal lake of fire? A lack of love for the book that he wrote? What is your giant? Um, maybe it's uh, carnality. Maybe it's jealousy. Uh, maybe it's anger or bitterness. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it's suffering. The Lord allowed this giant into Israel's life, into, in, into this fight. And let me just, can I just tell you something? The Bible says about Jesus Christ. And this thought kept coming back to mind to try to encourage you. All things were created by Him. <laughs> and without Him was not anything made that was made. Brothers and sisters, if the Lord wanted to make this giant explode and lead and disappear and just do one of those vapor things on the spot, like, you know, uh, what do they got? Star Trek with them laser things. You boop, you know, beam them up, Scotty type stuff. If the Lord wanted to bust this guy and, and just evaporize him on the spot, he could have. The Lord knows all about that giant. And the Lord knows all about your giants. I don't know. What, what is the giant that you're dealing with? Um, is, it, is it the giant of suffering for doing right? Is it the giant of misunderstanding what's going on in my life and I really don't know what's going on and it's causing me to follow God by faith, but it's wearing me out? That happens. There's a thing that said, why do the righteous suffer? Is it the giant of family problems? Um, there's a lot of giants out there. Which one are you dealing with today? Let me encourage you by just this text right here. I know that you can get victory over your giant. 
wait a minute, I can prove it to you. I'll get ahead of my notes just a little bit. Haven't there been giants in your life that you have begged God to help you with? And he's helped you with this one, and he's helped you with this one, and he's helped you with this one, and he's helped you with so many giants in your life, you can't even remember all the ones that you and him have slain in the past. That's true, isn't it? But he remembers. He remembers. So, um, what did David have to approach Goliath with? Well, you see here in the text, he had five smooth stones that he took out of the book. I mean, that he took out of the brook. Uh, he had a staff. Uh, and uh, he had a shepherd's bag that is uh, called a script. I mean, it gets really close to scripture. I don't know, you know. But he contained those stones in that thing. Uh, but then he had, he had his ammunition. So he had a weapon. And uh, then he had the things that he was going to throw. He had his ammunition. And, um, but let me, let me tell you this before I get into them stones, okay? Y'all with me? Is everything all right? Say amen, okay? David had those, those things right there. Those were his physical things. Those were the things that he had proved that if he was going to go out and fighting this giant, he said, I'm going to go down um, by the things that, that have worked for me in the past, and I know that can work. And he had the sling, and he had the staff, and he had the script, and he had the stones and everything. But you know what David also had? David had the confidence to know that his father had sent him to this battle. You say, are you talking about Jesse? No. Jesse sent, his daddy sent him to the battle physically. But his father sent him to the battle spiritually. You know how I know that? Look at verse number 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. David had God's reputation and had God's, what do you want to, what do you want to say? Just that. He came, you say, uh, you know, you go to a place and they said, well, who sent you? Well, such and such sent me. Okay, you're welcomed in. David came. David not only had the physical things. Listen, David had the assurance and the confidence while in this battle that his God was with him. Hey, I'll get ahead of myself just a little bit again. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You, the text doesn't say it, but David came to this giant, and David had the shadow of the Almighty over him while he was fixing to stand against this giant. Amen. That's what David had. You know what David also had in verses 46 and 47? He knew that his God was with him. And David had in 40, verses 46 and 47, David had the motive in his heart to fight and to defeat this giant so that God would be glorified. Man, that ought to be the chief motive of every heart in here. Amen. The chief motive of where you're at, whatever you do, and I know it's a fight, and, and I know we go about our day, but there needs, there needs to come a glimpse, there needs to come a thought as to what we're doing, say, God, God, I'd like to do this, and whatever I'm going through, and however I'm going up against this giant, I just want to do it for your glory. I want to do it for your honor. Father, I want to put a smile on your face and, and glorify you as I'm doing this thing, as I'm going through this thing. And as I'm up against... That's what David had in his heart. Uh, 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 David, you know, he, uh, in the future, he becomes a king. He had the heart of a lion. 
He was a monarch. He, the, and he had, he had the, uh, Jesus Christ is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. What he wanted to do here is he wanted God to be glorified, but then in so doing and risking his life and going forward to go up against this giant, he wanted to defeat this giant so that God would be glorified, but that others would be blessed and others would be encouraged and that the whole earth would know that there is a God in Israel. And God is alive and well. Man, how encouraging is that? That's really encouraging. Um, so David defeated this giant with five smooth stones. and um, th I'll, I'll get into the message, but just understand that the place, if you look in verse number 40, the place where David pulled these stones out of, five smooth stones out of the brook, these stones were tried stones. These stones were tested stones. These stones have been through years and years and years of adversity. And they never cracked up and they never broke. They were able to withstand the pressure. Why? Because these stones were in that brook. And in so doing, that brook is running over these stones. And that brook is making these stones smooth. That brook is knocking off the corners of these stones. These stones are having to go through hard times. They're having to go through hot times. They're having to go through cold times. They're having to go through different types of seasons. And that's the thing that David chose in order to take down this giant. In our Christian faith, the Bible says we've not followed cunningly devised fables. The, the stones that I'm going to mention to you today, just very brief, briefly for the sake of time, these stones are tried stones in the Christian faith to take giants down. These stones are proven stones, and these stones can be beneficial in your Christian life if they're applied. They're brought from the brook, and the brook's worn them down. The brook's got them to the place where they can be used. And they went from one thing and transition from one appearance to another appearance. And they've been used in, in the people of God's life uh, since, since the Garden of Eden, I guess you could say. So here they are. You say, what are these stones? Um, number one, the, the stone that David used. You understand, we all know the story. David put the stone in the sling, right? I'm not going to sing the song for you. This is just a, this is an elementary, uh, uh, even that's, that's taught in the Sunday school class. The giant's there. David put the stone in the sling. And he slung it, slung it. And that stone came out. Are you kidding me? For as big as a guy is, you'd probably need a 357 to take this guy down. <laughs> but one stone and a leather sling? Uh, I think the song says, little is much when God is in it. And he slung that thing, and that giant and all his pride it landed right there in his forehead. And that giant instantly met soberness and said, I am not in a good way. And he starts going from this uh, to this and falls back down and dies. So these stones that I'm going to represent uh, are things that can help take those giants down as they afflict you on a daily basis. You say, what is it? The stones that you need to have in your bag... The stones that you need to have in your heart. The stones that you need to have in your mind. Because that giant wants to take you down. That giant wants to stop you from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That giant wants to stop you from getting a full inheritance in eternity. You say, what are those, what are those stones? Well, first one is the stone of Scripture. The, the second one is the stone of prayer. The third one is the stone of trust. 
The fourth one is the stone of courage. And the fifth one is the stone of praise. Five stones. And uh, I'll go with you on the first one. Uh, if you wouldn't, uh, I'll read this to you. Uh, the stone of Scripture. It is so important to have Scripture readily available in your heart and in your mind while you're in this battle. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, David, I'll give you all David for these. Oh, how love I thy law is my meditation all the day. Uh, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies. The scriptures in your heart and in your mind to direct and guide you and to show you the weak spots of that enemy and to back that enemy down. Uh, the stone of scripture and to spend time with the word of God and to have the word of God in your heart. Listen, you do things the way you want to do them because those are the thoughts that are in your mind and in your heart. You're your own governor, you're your own guide, you're your own God. And look sometimes where it gets people. Now, I don't, I don't mean to be derogative in this, that, and the other, but I was like that in my life. It's a personal testimony, man. In my life, I didn't have the Word of God. I had death. I had carnality. I had filth. I had fornication. I had all the, I had the dope. I, had the, eh, I didn't have light from the Word of God. And you know what? I was being led to the place of death, man. I was miserable. I was, I, and, and, and the answer was, just get more, you'll be happier. Just get more, you'll be happier. No, that wasn't the case. You can't argue with me in my personal testimony that when the Word of God came to my life and I made a choice to follow it, the light and the blessing that it's given me for the last 30 years and allowed me to take down some giants in my life. And they don't bother me anymore. Why? It's because of the stone of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 says that, uh, uh, Paul says that we're in a spiritual fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And he says, and, and Paul says to us to stand, having done all to stand. Stand. Don't run. Don't retreat. Stand. It, it goes even further than that when the Lord said, occupy till I come. Forward, onward, Christian soldier, and uh, one of the one of the uh, offensive weapons that you and I have as a Christian is uh, Paul says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That should be the stone that is uh, the that can be hurled at that giant. The readiness to be quick in your heart and your mind when them temptations and when them doubts come. God ain't with you. God ain't going to supply for you. You're all alone. No, he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. He said he'd supply all my needs. Huh. Uh, he said, lo, I am with thee. All power is given me in heaven and earth, and I am with thee until the end of the earth, the end of the world. Readily available scriptures. Uh, the Lord did that in the garden of, uh, in the, uh, before the beginning of his ministry. Uh, he was led out into the, the wilderness, and he was tempted three times by Satan. And all three times, even one time Satan uh, said to Jesus Christ, it is written, and all three times, to forsake a time, all three times Jesus Christ backed the devil off by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus Christ used the sword of the Spirit in order to back that giant down and to take that. Listen, that giant doesn't want you in your Bible. That giant doesn't want you meditating on Scripture. That giant does not want you to memorize Scripture. 
And that giant wants you to be left to your own demise in your mind so you can't throw the, the stone at him to knock him down and take him out. Um, there is, uh, it's been said that there's no devil in the first two chapters of the Bible and the devil ain't found in the last two chapters of the Bible. Thank God for a book that disposes of the devil. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got this quote that also says, uh, a Bible reading people in a nation is the surest defense against error. Um, there's a place down in Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi, Texas that Lester Roloff started. It's called the Roloff Homes. And uh, that was a place, um, it's probably still a ministry today, but for many, many, many years that was a place where lost people could come in, where juveniles could come in, where people that were down on their luck could come in, where druggies could come in, where a lot of people that were having a hard time in their life could come and get out of the flow of society just for a little bit and they'd hear the preaching of the Word of God and they'd get saved and then they'd start pumping the Word of God into those men, into those women, into those juveniles, into those druggies. And you know what? They brought one product in, the Word of God went in, and then they brought another product out. They brought the new creature out. What am I trying to say? That stone uh, that, that you need to have in your bag is the stone of Scripture in your heart and your mind. Because brothers and sisters, your feelings will deceive you. But the Word of God will not deceive you. The second thing I'd like to say is a stone of prayer. If you would, uh, uh, David uh, loved the Scriptures. Look at Psalms chapter uh, 142. The, st the stone of Scripture and the stone of prayer to throw at that giant. Psalms, the stone of prayer. Psalms 142 verse 1. Listen, if you'll learn to pray to God, you can diffuse the energy of the giants. You got to learn that though. Who has time for prayer? When you get burdened and when you get anxious, you know the first thing you want to try to do is you want to try to fix it. Or you want to run and hide and hopefully that thing will go away. That's what you want to do. You say, how do I know? Because that's what I want to do too in my flesh. But I know this. I know that if you'll go to God in prayer and you'll wrestle with God in prayer, and you'll submit yourself to God in prayer. And you'll bring your petitions before God in prayer. Hey, listen, there's a song that says, um, if I could think about it, it says, um, I got it right here. Uh, uh, prayer changes things because prayer changes me. David said here in Psalm 142 in verse 1, I cried in the Lord with my voice, with, uh, with Psalm 142.1, I cried in the Lord with my voice, with a voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before Him. I showed before Him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then Thou knowest my path. And the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand, and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Hey, David, in his life, he was a prayer. Uh, David learned that spending time with God in prayer and talking to God uh, and hearing from God in prayer can give him confidence and boldness and assurance. It can. 
Prayer, brothers and sisters, can become addictive. <laughs> but the flesh doesn't like it. Our schedules don't like it. But it sure does assuage the torrents of the currents of this life once in a while. And you want to know something honestly? I think sometimes that's why the Lord allows giants and the Lord allows problems and you're in my life. Case in point, before the towers went down, wasn't very many people praying in this country. And all of a sudden the, the, the towers go down? What an atrocity that was. What a sad thing that was. 3,000 people, 3,000 Americans died. But then everybody wants to start praying. Prayer is the stone that uh, you need to have in your arsenal against those giants because prayer is the thing that draws you nigh to God. The Bible says, draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to thee. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Prayer. Um, prayer. Uh, Time alone, as I mentioned, time alone in prayer to God is a means by which you can wrestle with God and be surrendered to God and then see God work. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul again, while in the wrestling match, uh, Paul goes through all the things the armor that the Christian is supposed to have on is where to stand, and having done all to stand, and the last thing he says after the sword of the word, the, the sword of the spirit, our offensive weapon, the other offensive weapon that you and I have, brothers and sisters, he says, and praying always. <laughs> Prayer. Prayer. Talking to God, communicating with God. Um, you know, it's funny, the word pray, uh, Brother Dan had mentioned about a word uh, with brothers and others is in that word this morning in Sunday school, but the word pray has the word ray in it. <laughs> I wonder oftentimes, you ever looked across the landscape and you see them rays coming down out of the sun? My wife and I says, oop, looks like somebody might be praying. Hey, you know what praying's like? That ray that comes out of your prayers? Brother Jeremy, appreciate this. It's like the bat light. <laughs> you turn the light on, man. You get down on your face and you pray and you talk to God and you commune with God and you enjoy God. You know what you're doing? You're, turn, you're, turning, the, you're turning the lamb light on. Not the bat light, the lamb light. I'm a sheep. And you're showing heaven say, hey, hey, I'm here. And the shepherd takes note of that, Ray. Um, you know, it's funny, while the Lord was on this earth uh, and... Um, before he was going to get taken and, and uh, beaten unmercifully and then crucified, uh, the last thing that he did that he thought that he should do, being God manifest in the flesh, was before that problem would come, go pray. And oftentimes about Jesus Christ, the things that he dealt with on this earth, it was said of him that, uh, as was his manner, he would go apart by himself and pray. Before he picked his apostles, he went and said, Father, which ones do you want me to pick? He prayed. He prayed. Um, the man who kneels to God can withstand anything. Prayer is the slender sinew that moves the hand of an omnipotent God. Prayer. What's that third stone? Well, it's a stone of trust. Uh, David put his trust in the Lord um, in the hand of God when he took, in, when he took on Goliath. 
uh, and he put his trust that God was going to guide that stone to the very place as he was running to Goliath. If that stone would have missed, I'm sure Goliath would have been right in his wheelhouse and could have taken him and crushed him and grabbed him and killed him. But man, he put his trust in that stone and into the God that was going to guide that stone. Uh, look at uh, Psalms chapter 25. Psalms chapter uh, 25, verses 1 and 2. The stone of Scripture, the stone of prayer, and the stone of trusting God. Psalms chapter 25, David said, Unto thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. You know what? Oftentimes I have to resolve in myself and, 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 and continually say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender all that I have to you because, because I know that your way is best. That doesn't agree with my mind. No, I want the things the way I want them. But I know that God is a, he's a great heavenly father. I know that God has a lot of different attributes about him. But I'm in Jesus Christ. And if you're saved in here, you're, you're in Jesus Christ too. And uh, God loves you. And God has your very best as a father at heart. And, the, and the, the giants and the world and the flesh want to steal that away from you. And I have to resolve in my heart and mind oftentimes uh, when thoughts come across and things and I'm tempted and um, 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 uh, things that uh, the future puts fear in my heart and mind uh, about stuff. And, and um, I say, Lord, I got, I'm resolved. I'm resolved to you. God, I want to trust you. Listen, here's the litmus test, guys. By the grace of God, you've been walking with the Lord for how many years? And the thought comes to mind, oh, I could, he could fail me here. Oh, he might not come through here. But as I mentioned before, by the grace of God, me and my wife and family, yeah, there's been some giants. There's been some failures. We've lost some fights. But at the end of the day, we're not going to lose the war. You say, what's it had to be? You trusting God. And in that situation, you don't know what's going on. You know what you have to do? Continue to trust God. Listen, when, listen, uh, I, I wanted to use the illustration. My, my, my wife used to get on me bad about it, you know. When we were first new, I'm surprised Pastor Teresa didn't say something to me. Just a crazy nut, you know. Josie Barber you know, she was, she was younger, loved that little girl. I managed to throw that girl up to the ceiling. You guys remember that? Take this off the table. Hey, I'd throw her up and I could catch her. I did it with my kids and I figured, well, Josie's have our family. Whatever you want to do, we're all family. My wife would say, shouldn't do that. Well, she kept coming around to do it, you know. She kept coming around. She wanted Brother Butler to throw her in the sky, you know, fly like a bird. You know, you take the kids, Pastor Grissom's mentioned it, and his grandkids and stuff, you take those kids and you put them up here and you back away, and you say, come on. And you know, that's kind of like a giant in their heart and mind. Because, you know, there's trepidation there. There's fear there. Ah, yeah, everything comes to pass. Oh, but, and he says, come on, you're going to make it. Come on, I got you. Come on, I got you. And they take that, that jump, and they're out in the middle of nowhere. 
and dad or mom or grandpa, what do they do? Gotcha. Why? Because they trusted. And then you know what they want to do? It was so fun, they want to do it again. That's kind of how it is. Uh, and, and that's a stone that you and I trust in the Lord with all thine heart, the Bible says. Trust. Um, and fourthly, I'd like to say that uh, you have a stone of Scripture, you got a stone of prayer, you got a stone of trust, you got a stone of courage. Man, the courage that David had to have when nobody else was willing to go to the battle. I mean, David's leader, David's king, how, how discouraging is that, man? I mean, you know, it's like, uh, okay, here's the food. I'll see you all later. You ain't going to do it, king. But David, David had, he had the stone of courage. It's one thing to pray. It's one thing to trust God. Uh, but it's something else to have courage and to go out into the battle uh, and actually not to be intimidated by that giant. Whatever that giant is. Again, that giant wants to bring you into slavery. That giant wants to bring you into bondage. That giant wants to rule your life. Just like the children of Israel in Egypt. And David had the stone of courage. It's been said that courage is not often on the outside, but it's found on the inside. Courage is on the inside, and the inside comes out um, as I said before, uh, David was a future king. He was a, he was a monarch. He had the heart of a lion. He was a man after God's own heart, the lion of the tribe of Judah. It took courage to want to engage Goliath. It took courage to take the criticism from his brothers. Uh, it took courage to tell the king, your armor is not going to work for me. And it took courage to tell that king, if you're not going to go, I'll go. Because that king could have got readily mad at him and said, well, who in the blazes do you think you are? Get this kid away from me. Took courage. Um, look with me. We're in Psalms chapter uh, 25. Look at uh, 27. Psalms chapter 27 and verse number 14. David said, says, wait on the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and I shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. In uh, chapter number 31, in verse number 24, David says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Courage, bravery, uh, courageousness, uh, the willingness to do something that is frightening, um, being heroic. Um, a man said one time, Courage... Uh, Courage is a fear that has set, set its prayers. Um, when I think of courage, I think of firefighters. That's a courageous, that's a very courageous uh, uh, job. Uh, you're going into a burning building, man? I like fires in the back of my house. I like to have fires. I like to sit around fires. I like to cook hot dogs and steaks and all this, that, and the other. But you're telling me that to save a life or to save a cat or to save a dog or to save this, that, and the other, you're going to get laden down with all that heavy stuff and all that heavy clothing and you're going to risk your life and go into a burning building to save someone else? And you see the smoke, you smell the smoke, you see the fire, you see the heat? And you're going to go into that? 
So is true with police officers. Hey, listen, how about D-Day? <laughs> how about when them folks were going on to Normandy's beach? And they were in the troop transport ships, man. And it was nothing but, nothing but brazen lead and fire and screaming and smoke and stench and blood and all this, that, and the other. And man, those guys are on those things. They're ready to go. Some of them are vomiting. Some of them are doing whatever they are. Uh, but when that thing goes down, those rifles are ready, and on they go. Say, what's that? That's courageousness. Amen. That's courage. And you and I, we stand in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, you and I can have the courage uh, to be able to put those giants down and not to be in the grasp of those giants. And the fear that, that they bring. Having courage. And lastly, I'd like to say this. Uh, uh, look at, uh, if you would, 1 Samuel, number 17. Something that's very hard sometimes. The, the stone of the Scriptures, the stone of prayer to throw at those giants, the stone of courage, and lastly, the stone of praise. Do you know that when you beat an opponent, and you cheer gladly, that opponent knows they almost had you. But you know, it's been said that when you beat an opponent, and you just quietly walk away and go, it causes them to think. As a Christian, when you and I go through things that we don't understand, and, and we're trying to throw the rock of Scripture, we're trying to throw the rock of prayer, we're trying to throw the rock of trust. We're trying to throw the kitchen sink. We're trying to throw the, the rock of courage. And when you slip in there the rock of praise, when that giant's trying to take you down, don't you know that that kind of catches them off guard? Because what, what that giant wants to do, that giant, that giant wants you to be mully-grubbing. That giant wants you to be angry. That giant wants you to be full of fear. That giant wants you to be complaining. And what are you doing? Praising God? Amen. That's a huge stone. And that's what, in verse number 52, I find out that after this, this giant uh, went down, it caused the people around them. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and, and pursued the Philistines. They went after the enemy. But you know what they had? They had some praise on their lips. They had some step in their feet. Um... And they, 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 pray, they were praising God. They were shouting. They were going after the enemy. The stone of praise. Uh, it's, one, it's, one, it's an easy thing to praise God uh, and offer praise to the Lord when things are going good. That's an easy time. Stay with me. I'm almost done. I promise. When things are going good, that's a great time to praise the Lord. But how about when things are going bad? Man, when things are going bad, that's where that place of prayer comes in. When you don't understand, and you'll spend some time with God, and God's pressing on you, and life is pressing on you, and giants are pressing on you, and you're trying to put forth trust, and you're trying to put forth the Scriptures, and you're trying to uh, claim the promises of God, and you're trying to uh, partake of that divine nature because of those promises of God, and you're in that prayer closet, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there's a time that you get pressed out so much that all of a sudden, all of a sudden things will turn and things will change, and there'll be a release, and you'll get some, uh, back that giant off a little bit, and all of a sudden you'll just start praising God. 
just praising God. <clears throat> um, the Lord at the Last Supper, before He was offered up, one thing that He wanted to do, and He knew that was coming. He knew that He knew Judas was gonna. He knew Judas was gonna betray Him. He knew everybody was gonna betray Him. You know what He did in the Last Supper? <laughs> hey guys, let's sing a hymn. Hey, let's sing. What are you kidding me? That's a dark hour, and what do you want to do? I want to praise my Father. I want to encourage the brothers, and I think we should just sing a little bit. Oh, you say, what's that? A stone of praise. Um, if Christians praise God more, there's a quote. It says, the world would, not, would doubt Him less. And what we win by prayer, we must wear with praise. And I'll give you this last one right here. Praise, the stone of praise. A drop of praise is, is an unsuitable acknowledgement for an ocean of mercy from our God. Praise. Now the enemy wants to take the praise, the high praise of God out of your lips. But you and I have something to praise God about today. We have a lot to praise God about today. So those are those five stones. Let me ask you something. If you bow your heads, just think about what's been said. Close your eyes. I'll let Pastor Grissom take the uh, remainder of the service. But I'd just like to ask you, are there some giants in your life? Here's some stones that can help you with those giants. The stone of Scripture. The stone of prayer, the stone of trust, the stone of courage, and the stone of praise. I know it's a lot, but I know the Lord wants you to have the victory. And I hope that you can take something from this message and apply it to your life and get some victory and some joy and back that giant off.